I'm Amber. And I'm Becca. From cranberries to cows and everything in between, this is Forward Farming. Hey guys, welcome back to Forward Farming. How the heck are you guys doing? Are you all surviving 2023? If you are in the Midwest, are you surviving this winter? Because holy moly, what is going on? Last week, we had like barely any snow left and we had rain that took out a lot of our snow. It got rid of a lot of our ice that we had built up on the cranberry beds um, to protect them from the winter. So we lost a lot of ice and then all of a sudden we had a really heavy snowfall and we had maybe six or seven inches of that really heavy wet snow overnight. Um, so it's it's been crazy and it's been a pretty mild winter so far, thankfully, uh, knock on wood. I think that's probably going to change here within the next week or so. Um, so I hate to say it, but I think the worst of winter is yet ahead. I could be wrong. I'm no, I'm no forecaster, but you know, it is Wisconsin and it needs to be cold and it hasn't been super cold. So we'll see what's coming. Um, but anyway, I know, I know we always said we're not going to talk about the weather whenever we start an episode and we do it every single time. We're farmers. What else are we supposed to talk about? I mean, we have a podcast. What else are we supposed to talk about? Um, but today's episode, I am, this is something that I have had on my bucket list since we started the podcast. Today's guest is the CEO of Ocean Spray, Mr. Tom Hayes. And I am not going to lie, I don't get nervous for a lot of interviews, but this is one of those interviews where I was shaking in my boots. (laughs) I wanted to make sure that this uh, interview was not only beneficial for um, those of you who don't know a lot about Ocean Spray or my fellow cranberry growers out there. I hoped this has a little bit of everything in it for everyone. Um, so I had a list of questions about a mile long that I wanted to ask and I narrowed it down um, to my top questions that I thought uh, that everyone would enjoy listening to. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode as much as I did because this is honestly, again, a bucket list interview of mine. Um, I told you guys we had a lot of really fun things coming up this season and we're going to kick it off with a bang. So um, thank you guys so much for listening. And again, if you're not following us on social media, make sure you do so. Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and we just started a TikTok. We're not, we're not the best at it yet, but we're working on it. So bear with us. Um, find us all at Forward Farming Podcast. We're also trying to upload on YouTube a little bit more. Fingers crossed. We're, again, we're trying. Bless this mess. We're trying. Hopefully, hopefully if Elon Musk is listening to this, can you please put another satellite up in my area? We are on the waiting list for Starlink internet and it would just... It would make things so much easier if we could have better internet out here because this Amish speed internet, it's it's not doing what I need it to. So if anybody has any connections out there, hook a girl up, please. Anyway, if you're not following us there, make sure you give us a give us a quick little follow. We also love getting ratings and reviews. It it really helps us out on the charts so more people can find us and listen to us and hear all the cool stories that we have to share about Wisconsin agriculture. And, you know, it also makes our day reading your reviews because there's nothing better than hearing what you guys have to say, good or bad, but we do prefer the good. 
You don't want to be a lint licker. You don't want to, you don't want to hear my lint licker rants again, because I feel like we left that in the past. So let's keep it back there. (laughs) Anyway, if you're not following me, I'm Amber over at Cranberry Chats and Becca is over at Becca Hilby. Give us a follow. We're everywhere. Come over and say hi. But thank you guys so much for listening and please enjoy today's episode with Tom Hayes. I am very excited for today's guest. You guys, you have heard from the growers themselves. You have heard from our scientists that we have working at Ocean Spray. And I reached out, I have a couple of connections and now I've got the big guns here with us today. So please help me welcome Mr. Tom Hayes, who happens to be the CEO of Ocean Spray. So Tom, thank you so much for making time for us today and answering some burning questions for us. Oh my goodness. Always a pleasure to be talking to our owners. So uh, (laughs) yeah, thank you for having me, Amber. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to chatting. So thanks for having me. Well, I know as a grower myself, I have some I have some pretty big questions for you, and I think just um, I think our listeners would be really interested to hear kind of a little bit of the backstory of Ocean Spray because it is kind of a very different company. It is a grower owned co op. Um, so maybe would you like to start by introducing yourself and maybe a little bit of the history on how you came to Ocean Spray? Sure, sure thing. Yeah, so. Um, I've been with the co-op now for almost uh, two and a half years, I guess. And I came from uh, another manufacturer of food, uh, Tyson Foods. And uh, Tyson uh, was Hillshire Brands before that, Sierra Lee before that. But I guess the um, my whole career, so 35 years in the business, I'm kind of a one-trick pony. All I've ever done is, is food. And so <laughs> here I am. And uh, yeah, I've, I really was thrilled to hear about the opportunity, um, you know, to lead o- Ocean Spray, and it's a big responsibility. We have, you know, 700 some odd owners that are counting on our team to do whatever we can to to make the most money we can, both in the short and long term. And you know, that's what's unique about this opportunity is that say, you know, co-op, which is a wonderful thing, owned by our farmers and everything that we do benefits them. And, you know, there's a huge responsibility, but at the same time, it's very compelling in terms of a a purpose for our people and for me. Has there been kind of a big change going from a large company like Tyson into more of a co-op where it is farmer owned? No doubt. Yeah. You know, when you think of a large public, particularly a publicly traded company, the shareholders are people that you don't generally meet. I mean, you do in a sense that you would have meetings with, you know, the, the fund owners like, a, you know, Vanguard or Fidelity or companies like that, uh, BlackRock, but you wouldn't necessarily, you know, be meeting retail investors on a regular basis. And, you know, they didn't own, you know, a very high percentage of the company on a collective uh, level. So, you know, knowing, as many owners as I've gotten to know over the course of the last uh, two and a half years, and also just um, being in touch with everybody, whether it's through the vehicles of road shows or uh, just the, the mediums that we have today, it's the you know key difference is you just have that connection. Or you, you, as a as a public company, you don't. You're more just talking to analysts, people that are listening to, and you know giving advice about you know what they 
they hear the company's up to, but not speaking to the ownership firsthand. And so that, you know, for starters is a, a really big difference. And the other thing is just, you know, the, the sort of singular focus that we have, which is taking a crop, you know, cranberries and making the most out of that crop as we possibly can versus taking many ingredients, uh, you know, from many uh, different, uh, whether it's a crop or animals and making food products, there's, there's uh, you know, just a uh, absolute clarity in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, and I think one of the coolest things about being an ocean spray grower is again, putting, you guys always have been putting the grower on a lot of your packaging and making it more, more about the farmer and less about the product. Um, so would you mind kind of explaining how a co-op kind of works for the farmers um, and what that means for us as kind of like our, our boss, our CEO? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the um, working as a cooperative, uh, everything that we do impacts uh, the farmer in one way or another. And so there could be, you know, at the very simplest terms, uh, of course, we take the fruit, we make as much uh, money as we can uh, through the products that serve consumers. And I would argue really uh, great products, high quality products, and then, you know, turn as, as much as we can to the growers in the short term was also uh, investing for the long term. So if it's a uh, capital investments or investments in marketing, things are going to make the company stronger over time. Uh, everything that we do is, is based on the proceeds that we get from the fruit that the, the farmers deliver to us. And, you know, for, uh, being uh, in a role of leadership, the, I think the thing that is continuing to be a challenge for everybody and not just me and my leadership team and everybody that works for the co-op is to make sure we're, we're constantly striking that balance. I mean, you know, uh, better than anybody, Amber, that, you know, there's a lot of pro cost pressures in the farm today, the co-op, you know, uh, meaning the, the products and the, the plants and so forth are feeling the burden of trying to make sure that we're making the most money given the inflation on the farm at the same time dealing with inflation that consumers are seeing in their daily lives. So um, it's, uh, you know, said in one word, the, the big takeaway is responsibility. There's a huge responsibility that the whole team feels. Yeah, definitely. In, in kind of going back a little bit, you mentioned the road show and we just had one, I think later this summer. And, um, I, I briefly talked to you when you were here in Wisconsin yeah. and you said that you had just come from Canada or you were going to Canada and you were out, out East and you were just traveling all over the country in in 24 hours. So would you mind kind of explaining the road show and, and how, um, you get to interact with all the growers during that time? Yeah, sure. So, you know, with the pandemic, we got, I think it's fairly good at doing these virtual road shows where, and we just had one last week where we'll uh, provide a forum where the management speaks, myself, my uh, leadership team around, you know, all the things we're doing, all the, you know, good or bad as it relates to, you know, things we're facing, uh, good news, bad news, I should say. And then taking questions, the questions are, you know, typed in and we respond to them live, of course, but they're, typed in because of the numbers of folks we're trying to reach on these roadshows. Um, the in-person roadshows were so much more exciting, right? Because you have the chance to do the same thing, but you're actually hearing the farmer's voices. You're meeting with people and shaking hands and seeing 
you know, the concern on their faces or the smiles on their faces. It's just a way more um, fulfilling experience that just to have that face-to-face -face interaction. So that it was my first opportunity to do a, a in-person roadshow since joining the company. I know it's something that the company's done for a long time, but, you know, uh, having the opportunity to see each of the regions of the cooperative and then you know, getting a, a sense back real time of their, you know, feelings and interactions was great. And, you know, it was good to, to meet people I hadn't meet, met so far. So, I mean, I, I have a chance only in a limited venue to see folks and uh, outside of the annual Grower Roach, uh, Grower meeting that we have, the AGM. Um, it's, it was a, a special experience. It was, it was, we tried to do it, like you said, in a short period of time. So, uh, you know, it was, um, it was quick, but it was, I think, uh, you know, continues to be a, a really nice thing for us to do. And hopefully our ownership, you know, appreciates the interaction. Yeah. And, and again, you bring a lot of your staff out on the road with you. So if growers do have questions, whether they be good or voice kind of some of their more serious concerns, we're able to voice those concerns or, or wins with you guys and let you guys know like, hey, we don't like this. How can we change this? Or great job. I really like where this is heading. So it's a great interaction, I think, for everyone involved and something that not a lot of other companies or industries really get to do, especially with upper management too. So that's, I think, again, something that really kind of sets us apart from a lot of other organizations. Yeah, it really does. And it is a two-way street. We get a lot of great ideas and we continue to try to take the, the best ideas from, you know, our owners. We have the grower council, as you know, we have a grower committee. We try to get the voice of, of ownership, you know, at the table whenever we're having a chance to meet. We, uh, you know, Jeff LaFleur very well, our yep. <laughs> uh, VP of grower relations and Jeff Jeff sits on my uh, staff. Uh, he's an integral part of the team. He's done a wonderful job for me and, you know, continues to make sure that we don't forget, you know, what's what we're trying to do uh, each week when we get together. And then also, you know, there's a lot of times where we'll just have questions like how will uh, the ownership react to this? What will growers see as the, you know, the biggest need or the thing to clarify? And, you know, because we are doing um, a lot and we're trying to make uh, a big impact, you know, he keeps us, you know, grounded on what we should be, you know, focused on, uh, not only for just the work that we're doing, but then how we communicate and communicate effectively. And we don't always get it right, as you know, but I think that, you know, having that two-way dialogue, whether it's through a roadshow or having, you know, Jeff with us or the grower committee is just super important to making sure that we do uh, the best job we can. Yeah, absolutely. So Ocean Spray, they have, we have a wide variety of products now. So maybe let's rewind a little bit and kind of go back to the beginning. Would you mind kind of giving us a rundown of the entire history of Ocean Spray, where we started and kind of how we have grown over the years? Yeah. So really ex exciting history starting back in 1930. And as three you know, entrepreneurs got together and I use that term lovingly because they weren't just <laughs> farmers, they were entrepreneurs. They really wanted to create something special. And, you know, that's, uh, it was um, their foresight when the cooperatives became a thing and with the Capra-Volstead Act in the 1930s, they realized that while well, we could do something great if we got together and uh, use the power and our passion for cranberries and started to market them and then do, 
things that we haven't done before, which is make different products. Of course, um, you probably all know that the best, uh, first best product was cranberry sauce. And then, you know, juice followed that and then juice blends and then craisins. And so the, the co-op grew from, you know, three, our founding owners wanting to do something together and taking that innovative spirit into products. And you know, that sort of has created the life that we know. And it's amazing if you think about a, you know, a, a, a cooperative that is, you know, 2 billion in sales, uh, that to have that start from three, three farmers uh, getting together and then uh, with one crop and building, you know, something that is, you know, simultaneously innovative, but focused on, you know, being as lean as possible and continuing to have the, the strength to continue for a hundred years. I mean, I think that is, that is uh, something we should all be really proud of. Yeah. And let that be a lesson to anybody out there listening to, if you have an idea, you might as well give it a shot because you never know where it could end up with. So that's, that's pretty amazing that it was just three growers that, that started the entire company. So, um, have you kind of noticed any consumer trends over the years? Um, I know everything kind of started with the sauces. Um, do you know if there is anything that kind of sparked the interest to start the juice blends or the juices? Um, have you noticed any sort of trends as far as that goes? Uh, people love the benefits and the taste of a cranberry in terms of the tartness that it brings, but also, you know, can be overpowering for some folks. And, uh, we pack a punch, like uh, we say, or our <laughs> berries do. But the so sugar has been a you know a nice way to sort of balance that. And sugar uh, in a natural sense, like natural sugars in our 100% juice and so forth. But that is something that we continue to work on. Lower sh sugar uh, products, as well as you know using the uh, power of our product as an ingredient. So we often talk about you know what <clears throat> sort of spurred the creativity and you know, sauce and getting those uh, products that, that we all know and love, like the blends and blends were simply, you know, an idea that was born out of trying to deal with the tartness of the cranberry and still maintain the, uh, the ability to deliver the great, you know, products we do to the consumer. One of the things that, that is uh, continuing to build momentum is cranberry as an ingredient. And so that and, you know, in a, in a very basic sense, that's the blends we're using cranberry as an ingredient for a finished product that is a blended juice. But as we continue to grow the business around the world, our sweet and dried cranberries uh, have SDCs have become a really uh, powerful engine to drive more volume and earnings for the co-op because we're gives us the ability to bring cranberries to people that didn't know what they were about. I mean, it's not as easy to deliver uh, fresh cranberries and it's not as they're not as versatile as using uh, sweet and dried cranberries bringing those around the world to new countries uh, our international team has been doing a wonderful job of that but then it's you know just continuing to think outside of the box what are the new forms and uses that you know consumers might want do we have uh, reason to develop new blends that might not be cranberry first or cranberry, the cranberry four, but not cranberry first, where we have, you know, whether it's uh, snacking items or it could be potentially even other juice items that have cranberries ingredient, but it's not the primary ingredient. There's uh, a lot of things the innovation team uh, continues to work on, but I think it's all uh, based on that original innovation of, of taking something that was, 
you know, used to be in the kitchen only, making your own sauce up from scratch into a can that has become, particularly this time of year, you know, a <laughs> beloved centerpiece of most of the holiday gatherings that we all participate in. Yeah. I, okay. So I've got to ask now, what is your favorite? Do you prefer the whole berry or just the straight sauce? Yeah. So that's, um, you know, I, I hate to pick favorites. I mean, it's, it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, when you're a parent, you don't have uh, certainly don't have favorite kids. I, I just am a cranberry sauce can guy because uh, uh, for me, it's uh, growing up in a family that they, we only served that for a long time until I can remember when I got a little bit older, my grandparents used to show up with some, you know, whole berry sauces as kids. That's all we had. And I just, I just fell in love with it. And I like to slice it and put, you know, certain size slices on different, uh, not just on Turkey on different, uh, you know, parts of my plate. And yeah, I, I, you know, my mom's no longer with us, but my uh, dad would tell you that that as a kid, I would even, you know, have to be watched so that I wasn't eating too much cranberry sauce. <laughs> Not that there's such a thing, but that it was a, uh, it was certainly, there's no confusion that that was my, that's where my allegiance came down was the uh, jellied sauce in a can. Yeah. So it's just been your, it was just destiny that you wound up at Ocean Spray. The love just goes <laughs> exactly. back. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one of my favorite events to kind of go to as a grower, um, we do things with the American Burka Biner, which is up in Hayward, Wisconsin. So it's this big cross country ski event. And so we have a booth set up there with the Wisconsin Cranberry Growers Association, where we hand out juice samples and sweet and dried cranberries and get, really get to interact with these athletes. And um, it's, it's so funny because we have, um, one year, I remember we had a booth set up across from us where it was organic, pure maple syrup. And then kind of down the way, it was like these energizing, like cliff bar gummy type things. And we have people come to our booth and um, we'd have the 100% pure juice for them to sample along with like, I think the newest flavor of the juice blend that came out at the time too. And we just have people like, well, I don't drink cranberry juice because of all the sugar. And we say, okay, well, we brought this pure juice for you to try and, you know, just watching them. They're so used to drinking like yeah. regular cranberry juice and they do a, a shot of this and just kind of watching their faces and they say, okay, I can, I can kind of understand a little bit now, but I would always come back and say, you know, you're paying five, $7 for a shot of grass. You know, if you can drink grass, I feel like you can get a little bit more health benefits out of a shot of this pure cranberry juice, because I mean, the, the benefits of it are, are outrageous. There's so many, um, so to kind of like interact with people um, and kind of change their mind on on the juices and and things like that is really exciting. And and then you have people coming up that are just grabbing handfuls of these sweet and dried cranberries because this is great race fuel. Like I need this for the course. Like thank you so much for being here. Um, and and just going out and and sharing your story with with these people as well and letting people know like hey cranberries don't grow in water. You know and kind of sharing that side of things too. Um, and, and you've that's seen kind the of camp what, campaign, right? With the, uh, you know, what would you do with all that power? And yes. <laughs> it's just, that is the, that is, you know, straight up, you know, sort of in your face. Yes, we are powerful. And yeah, we are, we can be tart, maybe too tart for some people, but it brings, you know, energy, power, you know, all the goodness that you need for your day, whether, no matter what you're doing. And, you know, it's a sort of an invitation. What would you do, you know, with all that power? And it's been a really, kind of fun thing to work on and see come to life. 
I've had people send me um, the new commercial where everybody's sitting around the, the dining room table and the sauce comes out wiggling. Yeah. And I just have that song constantly just stuck in my head, the wiggle wiggle. <laughs> so yeah. A plus marketing on that one. So it's, it's definitely, it's working and getting stuck in people's heads. It's <laughs> crazy. It was uh, Forbes listed it. Um, it was, I think this week or last week, maybe as one of the top 30 ads of 2022. Really? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> no, it really was. It, it was, uh, it was really well done. The creative team that we had, you know, working on it and our marketing team here internally, you know, really, I think they did a nice job because it was not, a, not many words, you know, there was just these, the song, uh, and, I should say there were no words, right? I mean, it's just music. And at the end, you know, you had the, the tag that brought it back to uh, the holidays, but it was, it was really, really interesting. And we got a lot of comments about, well, where did you find that, you know, these people that could, you know, act like this and the casting must've been a lot of fun, <laughs> but it was, you know, something that was meant for social. So that was uh, the way it was filmed, but we actually got a couple of advertisements on television, linear TV uh, over it as well. And they worked out really well. We got a couple of placements uh, for World Series that we weren't anticipating, but we got a, a wonderful deal on. So it was mm -hmm. hard to pass up. And yeah, just really proud of the team. And we're looking to do more. There's more coming here shortly that I think is as engaging and, and pretty funny, to be honest. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to yeah. it. Um, so kind of sticking with social media, I feel like we have to talk about TikTok. How, sure. how did that viral video, um, everybody knows it, uh, dog face skateboarding with Fleetwood Mac in the background. How did that impact sales? Because I couldn't find Cran Raspberry on the shelf for like three months. It was, it was insane. It really did. It really did have a short-term and a long-term benefit. The short-term benefit was we did see sales increase, uh, and I forget the numbers off the top of my head, Amber, but it was something in the low double digits. It was like ten or eleven percent uh, in the following three months of the you know video being out there, and which was. I think a combination of a few things. One thing, oh, wow, I, I didn't realize Ocean Spray was as approachable as they are because this seems very, very cool, very hip, I think for a younger generation. And then secondly, just people were very, at that time, you remember when it, when it uh, sort of broke, uh, that was September-ish, October of 2020, people were really not feeling great about life with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it was just a, something that lifted people's spirits. They were really kind of excited about just having a moment of positivity. So that those couple of things led to in the short term, the bounce in sales. The other thing it did more longer term focus is it got us uh, into new households, um, you know, younger households, uh, you know, the, uh, particularly millennials that weren't necessarily ocean spray users or heavy users in the past. And so, um, and we've maintained a lot of those households and uh, lost some, but it maintained most. And so that has a long lasting impact. And then that sort of collateral benefit of all this is that it put us in a place where we could just, you know, be a little more um, edgy and in a good way where we wouldn't lose our current users, which are of course very important to us, but it also allowed us the the chance to speak to a different audience that, uh, you know, we've continued to maintain with our uh, social strategy and just our overall 
marketing communications approach. Yeah, and and I've noticed a, a huge increase in interest in in the growers as well. So even with with my smaller um, reach, I'm having people that I normally wouldn't reach come up to me and want to learn about the growing process just because they they found your TikTok and they want to know a little bit more and make sure. Um, that make sure that we're being held responsible as farmers as well for being as sustainable as we are, because I think the younger generation is more interested in making sure that we're being held accountable for sustainability. And that's a huge interest to them. So if they're going to be going out and purchasing this product, they want to make sure it's coming from a reliable source and make sure that it's, it's good for not only them, but the environment as well. Um, So that's another kind of notch in our belt is um, as growers and as a cooperative that we are a a very sustainable industry, um, top to bottom. So, um, that's really cool to teach people, especially through social media and, and to reach so many people and say like, this is, this is cool. Like, look at what we're doing and how are we using and recycling and using the entire product. And, um, so that's really fun to talk about especially on social media. It is. And, you know, as you had pointed out, um, earlier, you first have to, with people that are not familiar with cranberry farming get over the hurdle of no the cranberries don't grow in water this is how they're harvested um, when you have a wet harvest instead of you know dry harvest for our fresh fruit but the the uh, interesting thing is it's such an engaging and intriguing element of what we do and it seems like it's uh, for people that haven't experienced it it may not seem this way for our growers all the time because it is work Mm-hmm. But, you know, people that are unfamiliar, it's like magical. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, I want to get in waders. And I, and I keep saying to people that approach me on that, friends, family, people that I get introduced to that know I, you know, work for the cooperative to say, well, you know, if you want to get in waders, you can get in waders like when it's harvest time. I'm sure that you know, the labor will be much Yes. But, you know, the other thing after you sort of get over that is that to, when you share with them that it is a regenerative crop, it's, it's a buying the, you know, grows in these bogs and um you know it's something that doesn't have to be replanted every year of course you know there's renovations that are going on over time but you know these are vines that are are regenerative and they they are surprised they feel they have a sense that no you need to go out and plant those every year like you would you know soybeans or corn or they just have a this uh you know perspective which is not it doesn't uh surprise me necessarily but they really like that idea and then they you know if you sort of get them on the hook with that just talking about you know every acre that we farm we preserve you know another five-ish acres of wetlands um, it you know really pulls them in and so so i think being a sustainable crop and you know loving that owning it doing what we can do to continue to improve upon it it's not just a good thing for the longevity of of our farms, but then also uh, the consumers just really do appreciate it. They do demand it. In fact, you know, customers, of course, as you know, are constantly at us, asking us about, you know, how are we approaching sustainability and want to make sure we're doing the right things. We also want to balance, and I say this to our team all the time, what can actually happen on the farm and what is reasonable to, to take on uh, versus, you know, just assuming that, you know, everything that the customer and consumer is 
expect that we can get there, you know, overnight. We're starting in a great place because we are a sustainable, sustainably grown crop. But you know, there's there's also expectations that we have to continue to, you know, own our reality with our consumers and our customers about what is the the right balance for us to to strike, as we're you know we are responsible to the bottom line as well as uh, you know making sure that we're doing things right by the planet. Right. And I always like to tell people as well, when this comes up, you know, there's a reason why there's so many multi-generational family farms in our industry. And we always try to leave the land better when we finish it than when, when we started. So we always try to leave it better for the next generation. And I think once people kind of realize that like, okay, you are starting the sixth generation, there is a reason why, you know, you're, you're doing better and better every single year. So um, I think that's, that's a real important key for a lot of people as well. Hundred percent. Yep, and it's uh, that is an, another element that people don't realize that uh, you know cranberries have been around for you know generations. Most of our farms are you know passed down through generations, almost you know three generations on average, and they you know have this assumption that oh cranberries must have since they were just in my purview since like maybe blends and uh, if they're educated enough to know that sauce goes back, they might, you know, tie it back to earlier in the 20th century, but they don't, you know, have a view towards, wow, these were, you know, back in the 1800s. This is, this, there's a lot of growers who sort of started sort of uh, coming out of the civil war in that era and, you know, how they, you know, that has so much history. And as I've traveled around um, just appreciating you know, seeing photos from, you know, those past years of generations of farmers and certainly how technology has changed, but just seeing, you know, how proud people are about their heritage. It is, uh, it's really an engaging item as well. And surprising, I think, for people that aren't as familiar with, with cranberry farming. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the passion is what kind of started this podcast and and everything too. So it's, it's working. (laughs) (laughs) I got to ask you a question. Yeah. Have you seen the Hallmark movie, A Cranberry Christmas? No. Is that a thing? (laughs) Yes. And I'm sure your listeners will probably have to go out and uh, subscribe to this now. I just, I just stumbled across it and you will, uh, you'll get a kick out of it because there's some things that they do right out of the box in, in the movie. First of all, the cranberry farm is in Maine and like, okay. Okay, we don't have any cranberry farms in there, but they are. It's close because you know Quebec and Massachusetts. But um, it's they start talking about products, and they have they go into this uh, uh, barn or the shed, you know, where the the uh, uh, farm owner is doing some testing, and they have like juice samples and like all these different products that you just wouldn't expect to see like on the farm, and it is it's cute and it's hilarious at the same time. Well, I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. have any plans after this. So I'm no, going to no, go yeah, watch. Just oh search. My. It's a Hallmark movie. It's like every Hallmark movie. Like you have these people that are, you know, uh, they, you think they should be in love, but they're not. And they wind up getting in love. But it's a, uh, yeah, it's a Hallmark movie. Well, I'm a little offended. They didn't ask me to be in it. That's kind of rude. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, a couple of questions, a couple last final questions. I know you're busy. We got to get you out of here. Um, but going back to TikTok, you did a follow-up TikTok where you were skateboarding. 
did you know how to skateboard before that? Or is that something you learned just for that video? Because it's pretty impressive. Oh, wow. Thanks. Yeah. And, you know, it looks maybe more complicated than it was because the, the grade was not very steep. Although, you know, when you have a camera on your phone, maybe it looks like things are going by faster than they actually are. But no, I mean, I, I hadn't skateboarded the way that the story went was when it broke, we got a lot of people saying, Hey, have you seen this video? It's, it's kind of gaining a lot of steam and we hadn't. And then we, um, you know, said we should, we should, get engaged with this without taking, you know, sort of air quotes, taking it over. And so the idea was, okay, let's, uh, um, the gentleman's car broke down, uh, his truck broke down. So we bought him a new truck, as you know, and that sort of really kicked things off in terms of the momentum as it pertains to the ocean spray, even though of course it was there because he was holding the bottle. And my team said, you know, do you know how to skateboard? And I said, well, I've skateboarded before. This is back in like junior high school. I don't know if I still know how to do it. I'll give it a, give it a shot. Like anything for the brand is sort of my view. And so, yeah, that we showed up in the parking lot in front of the Lakeville office and it was nice. It was a nice fall day. The weather was cooperating. And so uh, they gave me a couple of trial runs on it. I didn't fall down. It took like three runs to, 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 uh, record it but uh i didn't wind up on the ground at all and yeah i, I love to ski so you know balance is not necessarily sure today uh, it is as i get older i, I find but the it was, yeah it was it was okay i, I did pull it <laughs> off and i had people say to me oh geez you really are skateboarding because nick Fle uh, mick fleetwood did one right and it, yeah. you could tell he wasn't skateboarding and so <laughs> I, I said, yeah, I, I actually legit did it. And so that was fun to do. I was so happy that, you know, it took off the way that it did. And, um, you know, that to have something like that, the investment that we made uh, was relatively small. And to get 25 billion consumer impressions, impressions, there aren't 25 billion people in the world. So most people were exposed to it, you know, several you know, or if not dozens of times was just an amazing thing for the brand. And, you know, I was, I was super happy about that. Yeah. Well, I was impressed. So I'm even more impressed that you didn't skateboard and that you didn't fall. So that just <laughs> made it a little bit higher in my book. <laughs> um, I know you said it's kind of like picking your favorite child, but if you had the entire ocean spray lineup of products in front of you, what's the one that you're gravitating towards the most? Um, I say this answer all the time and, uh, you know, it's interesting because the more products that I take the a taste, you know, that I'm here, I, I, you know, of course get exposed to more that I wasn't probably familiar with as a consumer before I started with the, with the co-op, but I have to say my tried and true favorite is cran apple juice, because that's what I grew up on, you know, growing up in New Hampshire, you know, we had great distribution as Oster Spray does in New England, but um, my mom would make it all the time. I drink it full all, you know, year round. And she would have a picture of it all the time. At that point, point in time, uh, she would buy the cranberry concentrate frozen in the can, which we no longer have in the supermarket, but it was, that's how we would make it. And, uh, so I grew up on it. So it, it's nostalgic for me. So I, mean, sure. I, I absolutely do. And, but now, you know, having, you know, tasted some of, the. Uh, Crazy and robe stuff that probably sometimes that 
that's a little more indulgent. I, I love that. Uh, you know, I think some of the new products that we're introducing, the new blends, uh, big fan of the Cran elderberry, I'm big, big, big fan of Cran watermelon. So, um, you know, my tastes, they aren't, I, I gotta, I gotta stick with, I guess, Cran apple, but I do, you know, I get, Cran apple gets challenged from time to time based on <laughs> the products that I, that I end up tasting when, uh, you know, we're doing sampling for, you know, innovation reviews and things like that. Sure. What's your favorite One, product? Oh gosh. I mean, I'm never going to turn down the chocolate covered craisins. <laughs> Always got to have those on hand. Those yeah. are a good snack. Um, but I'm a big fan of just regular cranberry juice. Very boring, but that's always my go-to. So got to, got to go with what you, what you know. You know what I never had before, uh, starting here in addition to the, you know, there's other products that are new items that are on the shelf, but an old product that that's, you know, predates cranberry sauce, just fresh cranberries. I've never, I never before joined with Ocean Spray, grabbed a handful of fresh cranberries and ate them. And, you know, so the first couple I had, I was like, wow, that's really tart. And they're like, no, I can do this. And so now when I go and I visit, uh, you know, our growers and, you know, we are at the bogs or we're, you know, someplace where I can grab a handful. I do, I eat them, I love mm-hmm. them. And it's, that's become, you know, a big favorite of mine. Yeah. Especially during harvest, I'm on top of our berry pump. So I just grab handfuls all day long and I don't need yeah. snacks throughout the day because I'm just snacking on cranberries, eating the product, but it gets taken out of my paycheck at the end of the day. So <laughs> um, one final question for you before I let you go. If you have fresh cranberries, what is your favorite way to use them in a recipe? Uh, so this is, a you know, unfortunately the admission that I'm not a fantastic cook. I mean, I make a, a pretty good, my kids tell me a pretty good uh, New England clam chowder. Um, I like to uh, be on the grill. So uh, it's probably a question I'd have to ask my better half. She is a much better cook than I am. And uh, so, but I would say just going um, back to, you know, sort of some of the tried and true things that I end up, you know, indulging in over the holidays. I love uh, cookies that have cram- cranberries, craisins, and, you know, ma- so it's not fresh cranberries, but craisins and macadamia. Mm-hmm. That's white yeah. chocolate. Those, yeah. uh, we, we're in a partnership with Crumble Cookies. They make those and they they're are real good. Like, they're out of this <laughs> world. But then my wife also makes uh, her own version, which I got to say, probably have a leg up on those. But, uh, say anything you know the in the sweets and muffins category when they're blended as an ingredient so probably i'd say anywhere down the lines of baking and then you know just the uh not doesn't answer your question around the cooking but just having fresh cranberries by the handful uh Mm -hmm. definitely i think would be my approach Yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with that one. So (laughs) awesome. Well, again, Tom, I know you're a busy guy and I got to let you go here, but thank you so much for taking time to answer all these questions for me. I really appreciate it. And thank you for all that you do for ocean spray and for the growers. I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of us and say that we really appreciate you and, and you're doing a great job. So thank you. Well, thanks for the opportunity and thank you for having the chat. All right, you guys, that wraps things up for this week. Again, if you're not following us on social media, 
check us out at Forward Farming Podcast. I'm over at Cranberry Chats and Becca is over at Becca Hilby. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you next time. Bye.